0: Houston,
1: Poja <laughs> Ota Yai. Showfest presents the one, the only Ani
0: Singh
1: Live in concert at NRG Arena, May 20th. Hamari generation ki sabse mesmerizing or soulful avat. Tickets: 1 Showfest. That's 1 888-746-9337 or showfest.com.
0: Masala Radio would like to congratulate Jawahar, Pramod, Sanchali and the entire Indo-American News Radio team for expanding the radio station. Indo-American Radio News will now be on air every Saturday, 3 to 6 p.m. 3 to 4, Indo-American News Unplugged, 4 to 6, Indo-American Radio. They are the king of South Asian news radio shows in the USA. Tune into Masala Radio 98.7 FM every Saturday, 3 to 6 p.m.
2: And don't you forget it, this is Jawahar and this is Indo-American News Unplugged. And we are certainly unplugged today. It's a beautiful day out there. Uh, just turned out to be such a nice sunny day, even though it's a little crisp. But I don't mind at all. But, you know, this morning my feelings were very, very different. I was feeling quite a bit cold. I mean, I just don't appreciate cold weather anymore. You know, years ago when I was a teenager, I was used to live in Switzerland before I came to the U.S., and uh, I remember one time that it, it snowed like every day for 30 days. And I thought, gee whiz, how could people take this? Of course, I was used to it then. I had my clothes and everything else. But, you know, I've been in the U.S. I've been in Houston for a very long time. So my body just does not take this no mo. But, um, folks, this is Indo-American News Unplugged. And you have the pleasure of listening to me for the next hour and with me today is a guest uh, someone who's been here before and he's he's a expert at oil and gas issues, and I brought him in because we wanted to talk about several things today in the Unplugged section. So this is Indo-American News Unplugged. If you have anything that you want to talk about, you want to gripe about, you want to talk uh, and just chew us out about our, uh, the way we, we, we think, or you have something else on your mind you want to chew everyone else out on the way that they don't think, uh, you can call us at 281-277-6874. That's the studio number, 281 281- Two seven seven six eight seven four, and we will certainly take your calls. Uh, I'm not sure if uh, uh, we might uh, be able to accommodate everyone who calls, because the phone line is always ringing, right? Uh, but uh, uh, without more ado, I'm going to introduce our uh, guest host, someone who's been here before, Gautam Swami. Hi, Gautam.
1: Good evening, Jawahar. Thank you for inviting me again, and... Uh great to be back in the studio on a particularly beautiful day
2: right it, and and gotham is uh, uh, he's been on the show before Oh, I would say maybe uh, two eight or three weeks, months ago?
1: Eight weeks ago, I think. Yeah. Jan, I
2: think. Okay, okay. So, uh, Gotham, he currently works in the renewables industry with an oil and gas company. He has uh, about 14 years of professional experience in conventional and renewable energy projects, which is one of the reasons why I asked him to join. Um, his educational background includes a Bachelor of Petroleum Engineering, an MBA, and a Master of Management in Energy. And he and his family moved here how long ago?
1: Just over three years ago.
2: Two or three years ago. And, they, and, and he is uh, now very much uh, uh, trying to integrate himself into the Houston scene, the, at least the Desi scene. Um, petroleum Engineering from where, Gautam? Uh, MIT in Pune, Maharashtra Institute of Technology. Ah, okay. And an MBA where?
1: From Tulane in New Orleans.
2: Oh, okay. Okay. <coughs> wow, nice. And a master of management in
1: also from Tulane. Oh, really? really? with my MBA.
2: Right. That's very nice. Thank you. Uh so um the reason for Gotham being here is because <laughs> one of the topics we want to explore is um the effect of uh, on oil and gas f- by from the Ukraine conflict. Uh so as we all know, uh price price for gas has gone up like mad just the other day. Right. Uh, just the other day we we ended up um four let's see plus. Four, yeah it's over four dollars now. Well uh last weekend I was driving back mm-hmm. uh, and, and went by my friendly Kroger store mm-hmm. and um it was three forty nine. Right, right. An hour later, I came back. It was three eighty nine. Right, right, right. So, and now it's three ninety nine as of yesterday. Now it's four zero one or something. Exactly. So it's of course this is affecting everybody's pocketbook, Gotham.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think uh, this is what we call a six sigma sort of event. So uh, all the elasticities are playing out across the commodity spectrum, and uh, uh, an event like war will definitely. Uh, have upstream and downstream impact so not just commodities but also currencies uh, and hopefully we'll be able to avoid the worst of the situation and not slip into a recession per se but uh, things are very fluid and uh, uh, it's very difficult to predict what a military uh, strategy could entail so uh, you have to play it day by day and unfortunately uh, we look at the numbers, but there's also the human angle and the uh, number of deaths, and refugees is only going to go up, unfortunately, for some more time, I think.
2: Right, right. So, uh, on this subject, you know, a lot of people have their own impressions or ideas as to why this Ukraine conflict happened. Um A little historical perspective is is necessary. Not that I'm trying to be pedantic because a lot of people probably already know this. Correct. But uh, the the NATO, of course, started in 1947 uh, with 12 countries. And the U.S. was the chief signatory to that particular uh, event. Uh, And the original countries were... Uh, of course, along with the U.S., with Britain, France, uh, uh, Spain, Portugal, Italy, um, Belgium, Netherlands, Norway. all those Correct. Western European countries, countries, mostly the EU countries Correct. at that time. Since then, if you look at the map of Europe, of Western Correct. Europe and Eastern Europe, since the Soviet Empire uh, fell... Correct. 1990, I think, with uh, Gorbachev, right. uh, then uh, a lot of the Eastern Bloc ended up slowly throwing right. off the yoke of the the Soviet correct. Uh, regimes. Correct, correct. And so they became independent. They became their own uh, sovereign countries, republics. Right. And slowly another um, 14 countries joined in. Exactly. So, all the way from Estonia in the north, Latvia, Lithuania, Poland, Czech Republic, Slovakia, Hungary, uh, Romania, Romania of all places, Slovenia, Croatia, Montenegro, Albania, North Macedonia, Bulgaria. And on top of that, there were three other countries that are currently classified as aspiring members. Mm That's Bosnia, Herzegovina, uh, Georgia, and Ukraine. Ukraine, yes. So uh, when you look at the map of Western Europe and Eastern Europe combined, that was a massive wall that was formed from all the way from the Baltic Sea to the Asian Sea. And uh, it made uh, Russia very nervous
1: yes it's almost like an existential threat to them in their minds they've spent close to seven decades now worrying about it instead of just expanding the sphere of communism things have turned 180 degrees on them right and i think the last straw that broke the camel's back so to speak was when ukraine said we are committed to rejoining nato and um, as you know there's no uh, sort of land border per se as a dividing border between the russian land and the ukrainian ukrainian land so to defend its territory now Russia is going on the offensive and saying if the Western sort of values of democracy and all are literally at our footsteps and what's next are you going to put up your missiles and tanks right at our doorsteps that's the sort of paranoid mindset they've gone into and this sort of momentum has been building up slowly they've been active in the energy markets sanctions notwithstanding for about 45 odd years now so slowly they've been pushing out foreigners building up gold and currency reserves trying to do more and more trade with China very successfully, unfortunately. So, it was only a matter of time before they took a stand and unfortunately, it's happened in a a very stark
2: fashion. So, they they took the stand, the Warsaw Pact went Mm -hmm. kaput.
1: In theory, it was kaput in their minds, I guess, for a decade because they could see more and more countries... Westernizing more and more... Uh, uh, Liberalizing. Correct. So it's, democracies being formed, uh, elections being conducted, more and more satraps and uh, sort of communist puppets being thrown out, uh, education changed people's mindsets, relative uh, stability, brought economic prosperity to a lot of countries there, trade increased.
2: Right. So now to cap it off, the, uh, uh, the Ukrainians, they wanted some payment. For mm-hmm. a trans-Ukrainian pipeline, correct. They already have, I think, a gas pipeline that goes through there, correct. And they're collecting royalties for the transfer of correct the 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 oil, correct. And of course, we know that uh, the the Western Bloc, the Western European countries, correct. They require something like uh, 40 million barrels a day, exactly. is
1: that correct? So, uh, if you look at the primary sources, it's either been for oil, the UK continental shelf, which is unfortunately now in decline. And of course, then everything else has to be imported. And the mm-hmm. biggest uh, source of those imports has been Russia. And the historic uh, pipeline networks that transit the Ukrainian uh, territory were definitely a source of income, but they could also be uh, weaponized and shut down. So you can see people like uh, the countries like Poland saying, yes, we are not going to stand for that anymore. We need to uh, be decisive and move towards LNG imports. But uh, how many countries can do that?
2: So, the LNG, of course, also the Russians possess. Yes. uh, Or not imports, but they possess the LNG. Right. And the the, uh, Nord Stream pipeline pipeline underneath the Baltic Sea, which has yet to be opened. Uh,
1: Part 2 has yet to be opened, but historically Part 1 was the major source for European imports.
2: Right. So, Part 1 is being used? Yes. And
1: uh, unfortunately, uh, what has happened is that whole complex around that uh, ecosystem of pipelines itself has become a weakness for europe in that sense that they become dependent upon russia over the decades so no matter how much they try to diversify if the source and the pipeline networks were not diversified there was no diversification right
2: so so the lng was you said pipeline number one is being used by the germans
1: uh, yeah, it goes into Germany, UK, and a few other countries. But the is,
2: pipeline number two, which is which yes, was just recently number
1: built. Number two was built purely to supply Germany. I think 70% of the offtake would right. go into Germany. And, and
2: that branch has not yet uh, the, the, been over. The
1: construction is over. Even that had its and, own and sanctions. And there's actually hassles. gas in the pipe. Yeah, to test it. Uh, it's not uh, been commissioned at a commercial scale. Uh-huh. So I think Russia waited until the construction was over. And they said, yes, we'll be a reliable supplier to you. But, uh, of course, they've gone around and shown their uh, cards the right. other way now. So,
2: so they're, they, they have not been able to use that no, second... No, they cannot. Second, they cannot. Uh, but no. now the LNG was there and the oil source is there. Uh, but Russia has not cut off the oil.
1: No, from whatever historical contacts they have, there are some certain limitations to the way sanctions are imposed. And there are exclusions to that. So, energy products will continue to flow under a certain set of rules. But for how long is the next question? Mm-hmm. Because now we are seeing the energy trade itself being weaponized. So everybody is saying we will limit Russia's income sources by limiting their exports. Mm-hmm. So it's a work in progress. So Some damage has already been done. A lot of
2: wake-up calls have happened. A hundred, uh, well, 40 million barrels a day mm-hmm. is being uh, can can be pumped through that pipeline.
1: I'll I'll have to check the exact figure, but yes, there's a uh, equivalent number for so uh,
2: if gas and oil. The price of oil right now is 140 dollars mm-hmm. a barrel. Mm-hmm. We're looking at uh, what is it? Four billion dollars oh. a day. Easy, easy. It's a it's that a large number uh, that a, the Russians can earn. Can earn yes. And yet, what do you think, what do you estimate the uh, this whole excursion into the Ukraine is costing them?
1: Probably three billion a day, if not more. And we just never know how long and how deep their uh, uh, planning has been and how well supplied they've already uh, sort of positioned themselves to be. The last I heard was when they are beginning their uh, next uh, phase of the attack is to circle Ukraine, oh, so Kiev, sorry. Uh, it's going to cost them hard currency to build out their forward operating bases. So right. uh, the people are there, the arms are there, but now the supply bases are there, so that uh, the first sort of barriers are now put up right in the middle of the country, which is where the money is going to get spent next.
2: The pipeline continues to pump, even yes. though we yes. have this war going on. Correct. Nobody's going to touch that pipeline. Is it? Is it buried?
1: yeah some sections are overland some sections are buried, so it has multiple uh, there's one trunk line and then multiple branches
2: so hopefully nobody's' th- yes. is gonna bomb this exactly
1: spike. exactly so each country is now saying we cannot launch air attacks because we ourselves are a consumer of what is inside that network and don't forget the casualties that could uh, occur. so this
2: is there's already a workaround on this the sanctions basically energy sources are not allowed to be touched oh.
1: To some extent, the way European countries impose sanctions, they have to first say, we cannot starve our people, we cannot freeze our people. Yes, it will cost us more, we are doing business with our enemy, but they've been doing it for about 60 years, so um, they won't just uh, abandon something until something else equivalent is erected and commissioned, which is uh, uh, anybody's guess how much time and how much money that will take today.
2: Right, I see. So it's a very uh, fluid situation in that regard, even though the land is being occupied by Russian forces. Uh, now, what impact is uh, we we started out the, com- the program by, by talking about the impact on local gas prices? Here. Absolutely. And uh, um, of course, it's a globally interdependent co- uh, cont- I mean, world. Yes. So the local prices, if there are at $139 a barrel, correct? Um, wouldn't this? spur the the production of oil in the Western, uh, the Permian Basin oil fields in Texas?
1: Absolutely. This is um, a sort of a a boon in that sense that, yes, one of our enemies has itself given us an opportunity to achieve higher profits and realizations. Mm -hmm. But then we'll just have to see logistically how much uh, manpower went out of the industry over the last decade and how much do you want in the next, say, 90 days, 100 days, 2 years, Mm -hmm. So uh, it's not just about deploying wells, but even uh, uh, rigs rather, even after a rig is finished drilling and completed, there's a whole set of operations you need to do before you connect into the pipeline network that feeds into refineries.
2: Well, uh, before uh, the pandemic hit Mm -hmm. and closed everything down, the economy down, and before the Russian invasion and so on, there were... Uh, so, three years ago, there used to be 18-wheelers going west exactly. on the Katy Freeway, exactly. going to West Texas. Correct. Full of pipe. Exactly. Uh, big pipe, small pipe, Correct. and so on. And you didn't see them anymore for like the two last two and, two, two and a half years. Correct. yes. Right. So, guess what? Ye- yesterday, yes. <laughs> I was driving on the Katy Freeway, and Correct. there are 18-wheelers full of pipe Correct. that are going to West Texas. Correct. Correct. So,
1: uh, the least disrupted operations will come back on stream first. Mm-hmm. Uh, the lease holders who were in active mode to a certain extent and who have consolidated by buying acreage from bigger companies that were exiting are now sitting on a gold mine. So their first set of orders are probably already flowing out. Uh, they'll reactivate crews, they'll bring equipment back. And uh, that's how
2: we'll see the build up happen again. Okay, uh, folks, this is Jawahar. And I'm going to go them. Uh, Swami, and he's the uh, e- the energy expert that I asked to, to, to join us today. This is Indo-American News Unplugged. We're trying to make sure that you understand the the energy equation that's associated with the Ukraine conflict. Uh, we will be going into a commercial break for uh, uh, a few seconds, a few minutes, in about 15 or 20 seconds. If you have anything that you want to talk about regarding the same, you can call us at 281 281- but uh, don't go away otherwise we'll be back. This is Indo-American News Unplugged.
0: Welcome to Indo-American News Unplugged. A new way to share your views with Jawahar, Sanchali and Pramod. से दीप फालसा रोज़ खाने लगी हैं। उसको सब फालसा कलर में चाहिए। फालसा ब्लाउज़, पैंट, साड़ी। हम्म, hmm. और कुछ? और परसों मेरे लिए
2: शूज़ लेके आई। वो भी फालसा कलर वाले। ये क्या है ये दीप फालसा? फालसा यानी ब्लैक करंट। एक हेल्थी
1: फ्रूट है। योर
2: हार्ट, ब्लड,
0: Deep Falsa. Available in all stores.
2: Deep. Khao to jano.
0: You, Papa, because you are always there for me. When I cry, you make me laugh. When I fall, you pick me up. When I'm all alone, you're my best friend. When I won the spelling bee, you clap the loudest. You want to always be there for your children, but we all know there are no guarantees in life, and too many Americans today are not prepared for the unexpected with adequate life insurance. I, Ina Patel, would like to help you secure your family's financial future. I'm a trained. Professional who can help you identify your financial needs and determine which insurance and financial products can best help you meet your objectives. Contact me now to learn more about life insurance, long-term care insurance, retirement income, and various other insurance options. Call me for a complimentary consultation, 713-591-4130. Ina Patel, agent with New York Life Insurance Company. Be good at life. Masala Radio would like to congratulate Jawahar, Pramod, Sanchali and the entire Indo-American News Radio team for expanding the radio station. Indo-American Radio News will now be on air every Saturday, 3 to 6 p.m. 3 to 4, Indo-American News Unplugged. 4 to 6, Indo-American Radio. They are the king of South Asian news radio shows in the USA. Tune into Masala Radio 98.7 FM every Saturday, 3 to 6 p.m
2: and we're back with you again we're so glad that you stayed with us this is Jawahar and I'm talking to Gautam Swami who as you can tell if you've been hearing the first segment is an energy expert he has uh, he's working with an oil and gas company a supplier here in Houston and uh, he deals mostly with a lot of renewables and we we we're, we're actually going in that direction i we've been talking about the ukraine conflict how that's affected the price of oil internationally and why Some of the 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 ramifications like for example in Western Europe and the fact is that there's still oil being pumped through the pipelines Mm -hmm. uh, And gas pumped through the -hmm. first Mm -hmm. gas Mm -hmm. line Mm -hmm. to Germany so uh, and Germany by the way is reconsidering whether it should close off the three nuclear power plants in in light of what's happened Uh, the um, and then we talked about how this is affecting drilling activity in the U.S., especially in Texas. We realize that the 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 this low-hanging fruit will end up getting uh, you know, started up first. first uh, but now comes the big but. Uh, right now, it's cold weather Great. all over the country. Correct. And uh, a few days we have uh, warm warm spells, but it's still okay. Correct. But in three or four weeks from now the air conditioners, con- conditioners are going to be humming. Correct. And there's going to be a huge demand for correct. electricity. And, of course, electricity requires, in Texas, gas or oil. Correct. Gas is... Or, or and, um, coal, which is obviously not a big uh, factor anymore, uh, or renewables. Absolutely. So if there's gas and oil and, and both of these prices are shot up... Uh, Wait till we get our electricity bills. What's going to happen
1: then? Uh, yes, absolutely. I think gas-fired uh, power generation will definitely be out in the market looking for cheaper gas. There's no doubt about it. But luckily, uh, Texas being blessed with so much of its own uh, reserves and production capacity will probably uh, be better off than a lot of the other states. So power prices may jump up for a short period of time. Um, Luckily spring is what they call a shoulder season where uh, you're not at the peak summer loads, you're not at the peak winter loads. So I think uh, the summer driving season will keep gasoline prices up to a certain extent if employment remains uh, uh, steady. And uh, then when the real summer peaks start to appear, that's when the major uh, chunk of price rises should be curtailed through increase in production.
2: Right. And so at that point, uh, by the way, what is the price of uh, a cubic yard of gas, natural gas right, right now?
1: Per MMBTU, I think we were up to 7, I think the highest peak I saw, but uh, it changes every day. So, so be, But before the conflict, it was what? Uh, 4 to 8 was the uh, the range. It just depends on which part of the country and what volumes. I but, see. Uh, okay. The greater problem was the inventories. So our, our storage was trending below the five-year average. Uh-huh. So our inventories were getting leaner. Our production wasn't really ramping up that much. All the renewables news was impacting uh, decisions to add more uh, natural gas-based power capacity. So we saw that for about three, four, five years. Now suddenly everybody looking at uh, options again. And uh, maybe some nuclear plants in both Europe and the US will have their lifetimes extended. But
2: uh, but but let's stay for focus a little bit on on uh, the the gas renewables and and uh, natural gas equation. Mm-hmm. This is going to put a lot of stress in order to do to uh, to meet demand. Demand will certainly peak Correct. in the dead of summer, August Correct. September. Before then, we need to get our act together. Correct. So you think there is only so much so many renewables that they can bring to the market because it takes so much time to build them. Correct, but. Over a period of time, if this, if this uh, Ukraine crisis uh, extends for much longer than three correct. weeks or four correct. weeks, or it goes on for a, a year, correct? W- do you think that there is some way to ramp up renewable electricity uh, production?
1: Oh, I think on the ground, if you install both solar and wind capacity at maybe a higher rate and commission maybe a couple of months sooner than you plan to, yes, you can have some impact marginally. But then the bigger threat is will demand fall if the war goes on. Mm -hmm. So if the demand falls, then industrial requirements for power will start falling. Why would the demand fall? Uh, If the world continues to be at this heightened panic state and there is an actual recession, then it's reflected in the demand for power to run industry.
2: So basically people start losing jobs, they can't afford certain
1: things, they can't afford driving to work. Diesel demand, of course, is also an industrial uh, uh, reflection of
2: industrial growth. Right. So so in a sense, if the price of gas keeps on going up, mm-hmm. the recovery that we have right now will no longer be uh, sustainable. Correct. There, there will be a price to pay. There will be trade-offs
1: to make. So either you keep the renewables pipeline stagnant while you ramp up oil and gas domestically. You do your best to support your uh, uh, ally nations by exporting as much as you can. So their summer peak and our summer peak don't necessarily have to be the same, but you would always want to make an investment into an oil field with a six to eight year horizon.
2: Well, but now Shannear Energy in Port Arthur, right. they in Sabine Pass, correct? They ag- export so much that that's all the, that was the first correct. export terminal. Now the the guy who started, who was the president of Shannear Energy. Correct. Uh, he's a Israeli guy. I've forgotten his name. He is now trying to build up a second Tell, tr- right. uh, terminal in somewhere in Rockport or, or sea, uh, Seabrook, uh, somewhere uh, around there
1: just south of here. So Sabine Pass, Freeport, all these areas are where all these terminals were planned. Now their business case has become very strong. So,
2: but they, they, we need them in order right. to supply our allies, but we Correct. need them to supply ourselves. Correct. So Correct. would that not mean that we would stop the export of? natural gas?
1: Uh, uh, No, I think at some point the legal contractual structures between companies will first have to play out and only then can uh, political interference as such
2: happen. uh, We are not short of it. India has a 10-year contract Contract, with Chenier Energy to receive so much every year. Correct. So, we could not renege on this contract?
1: By paying a penalty, yes, you can technically get out of any contract. But why would you want to lose a customer like India because then they'll turn to, say, Australia, Qatar, Russia itself or LNG all over again. So it's a delicate balance. So you have to give the supplier, the buyers also sufficient time to recalibrate their mix and you have to be very transparent and say we can ramp up by, say, 10% every quarter, no more. Are you ready for that level or do you depend on us for more than that?
2: Well, the LNG that we are supplying is coming from uh, compressed natural gas, of course, but but that gas is a byproduct of all the fracking that's been going on, right? Mostly,
1: most of it, yes. But onshore fracking that we've seen it produces either condensate, which is almost like gasoline with very high gas output. So those are uh, gas shale projects. There are other projects which are heavier on the oil side. So there's a mix of uh, uh, commodities that comes out, and each of them has a product stream associated with it. So there's a balance that the refineries will pay play around with and say we'll switch to a summer blend for gasoline, we'll delay our uh, maintenance schedules. I think Reliance has said they'll delay their uh, maintenance schedules in India in order to export diesel to Europe mm-hmm. at higher volumes. Uh-huh. So there are many cross linkages that will play out. Uh, as Russian crude has become cheaper in the market, Indian and some other Asian countries refineries have said, okay, we'll start increasing our purchase of Russian crude because of the discounted prices." in order to be able to send out diesel and gasoline to Europe.
2: I see. Uh, Well, uh, do you think that uh, there'll be enough money spent quickly on renewables at this point?
1: Uh, Yes, they'll, they'll always be part of the portfolio of every country because everybody is aiming for what's called a net zero status. Now, whether they achieve it by 2049 or 2053, you know, that calibration might happen. But then as a country, do you want to depend on somebody who is unreliable anymore? That is the mindset somebody like Germany or the UK has gone into. So Germany has said, let's hit net zero by 2035 instead of 2050, which implies they want to do a lot more in, say, hydrogen, solar, wind, everything else that they can get their hands
2: on. So most people, when they think about energy dependency and so on, they're talking about themselves going out and driving around in cars so uh, how much of the gas that we consume as a nation daily do you think is consumed by cars
1: uh, transportation i think is easily 50 percent because R- that includes diesel as well as gasoline uh-huh. so diesel is probably 5x the demand for gasoline and uh, then the other side of things is the refined products, So your petrochemicals, plastics, polymers, sure, that sure. whole complex is also sitting in demand. But for transportation itself. I think, I think it's between 40 and 50 percent for the US So type.
2: if we were to be able to convert rapidly because of this crisis to electric vehicles, uh, which is a big if, correct? because we don't have the batteries and we don't have all well, the rest. But correct. if we did that, then that would help uh offset some of the, the uh, problems
1: to, to the extent that something is like for like but don't forget every ev also has something like 6 to 8 barrels worth of crude oil in the form of foams and rubbers and plastics uh, all your harnesses your tires of course everything is a byproduct of crude anyway so you may replace a gasoline vehicle with an ev but within that uh, there is a uh, the initial use of uh, crude oil products is still the same roughly uh-huh. and the lifetime use of gasoline of course is zero over there
2: uh, yes, and that's to true. To
1: transport things from the mine, where you say find cobalt, to refine it, to convert it into a battery, all of that is also a road transportation or rail transportation ecosystem. So uh, in, uh, in enormous amounts of heat are also required to do all that processing. So everything will not flip at one go.
2: Uh-huh. So, I see. Do you see, in, in, since you deal with uh, with energy issues and uh, you uh, with your company, and and you're aware of other companies that are, that are working on this. D- is the trend now more uh, acute? I mean, people are seeing an opportunity. You know, Americans are good at seeing an opportunity and saying, let's go for it. Uh,
1: absolutely. The relatively higher priced EVs will obviously have greater traction in, say, Europe and the US first, let's say, for the next six to seven years. But don't forget, China is going to be, or probably already is, the number one player in EV manufacturing. Uh-huh. their market dynamics are skewed towards smaller sized vehicles cheaper vehicles uh, battery technology is something they have become very good at recycling is something they are already very good at so there's a whole set of uh, dependencies and elasticities in the commodity complex that China itself wants to break because they are also paying for a lot of these imported commodities and dollars
2: yeah so that's true that's true so so uh, they have some technological skills that they've developed that we could benefit from if we have them.
1: Oh, absolutely. I think to add 1 million EVs production capacity in the US is not an easy task, but it can be done. Uh,
2: so uh, we, can, uh, we can talk a little bit more about this, but, but really we're going to go ahead and, uh, con- and continue with another topic uh, that is very much on my mind, and that topic is newspapers. Uh, I didn't want to just drop this topic altogether, but as you can see, it's very, very interrelated, and every one of you have probably got this thought in your mind: What do we do next, in order to to develop a certain amount of uh, reassurance uh, for our futures? Um, so and so, don't go away, folks. We're going to be going to a, a few. Uh, uh, musical cuts right now. We'll be right back. This is Jwar, and we're back again with the Indo-American News Unplugged. We are talking with Gautam Swami, who as you can tell is an expert in the, um, in the uh, energy field. He knows his, um, uh, the different elements that are going on right now and being affected by the Ukrainian crisis. So uh, now I wanted to point out that the next item that I wanted to touch on was newspapers. As you, all of you know out there in Radio Land, you know that Indo-American News is uh, a paper that uh, we p- publish, Pramod Kulkarni and I, we publish here in town. It's been around for 41 years. We started in 1982, so this is the 41st year. Um, and uh, the, it started by Dr. Kale Sinwani, who passed away about 10 years ago, but the uh, what I'm driving at is that uh, for 41 years we've been producing the paper every week, week after week, for 41 years. So do you do the math? How many papers we got out? We ha- we didn't stop during the pandemic. We didn't stop during the hurricanes. We didn't stop during the freeze. We we actually I think we we skipped one paper, or for one week, out of or maybe a couple of p- weeks in between, but. The reason why we do this is that we, oh, everyone who's been associated with the paper has has a passion for the paper. It's it, it is something that you get hooked onto once you start, because you realize that you are the glue that's holding the community together, and you tell me about it. I mean, I have done personally, I have done thousands of stories of people here in this uh, in our community, uh, plus others who are from the mainstream. And likewise for promote, and likewise for other people, we've had a number of people come through the door and worked with us over the years. Uh, and many of them are well-known, and, and, and many of them uh, have gotten their start from us uh, in, in, at the paper. Um, so uh, I, the reason I'm bringing this out is because, you know, there's an old saying, you never know what you got until it's gone. And I don't want to say that we're going because we're not, but what I'm trying to tell you is that the newspaper business is under a lot of stress. Um, you tell me how many times you've gone up and picked up a copy of the Houston Chronicle or the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal and just, or you've got a subscription to it and you, listen, you read it daily. A lot of people have actually stopped doing that for one reason or the other. Maybe their eyesight is going because they are getting older. Maybe they they don't have the money because the pandemic ruined their budget. But at the there are certain other factors that are at play, and these are not good factors. And I wanted to to make sure that you understand that you need to stand behind your community media, and and I, I I'm going to be preaching a little bit, but that's the bottom line, because uh I I wanted to to point out that political force is behind the hair, too. Uh, and I will be touching on that when we come back after these commercial messages. This is Indo-American News Unplugged. We want to touch on why the newspaper business is under stress and what you can do to help and what you must think about as far as keeping a jewel in the crown of the community together. Because a, a community, then, they lose a media when they lose a newspaper, they lose more than they can ever, ever think about. Um, just uh, three years ago, The Voice of Asia stopped publishing, and the publisher died uh, just uh, last year. But uh, and there was a gap there was a, that was built because of that. But I'm not saying anyone else is dying. But I want to talk a little bit more about this when we come back. Uh, this is Indo-American News. I'm Jawahar, and you'll be listening to us in a few me- a few minutes after these messages.
0: Welcome to Indo-American News Unplugged. A new way to share your views with Jawahar, Sanchali and promote.
2: The
0: most beautiful diamonds, precisely crafted in eternal designs. Maharaja, best quality diamonds at even better prices. Maharaja, bringing diamonds to life. 5821 Hillcroft, 713 480
2: गेम शो ह्यूस्टन
1: मुसुताज मुमिन तमारा माटे इंपीरियल स्क्वायर खुली गई है इंपीरियल स्पाइस
0: ग्रोसरी एंड किचन एलीट रेस्टोरेंट Lantern Banquet Hall. Total modern concept. Brand new building. Designer furniture. Private party rooms. Setting a new standard in Houston. Grocery Kesat Kanabi. Mse Milne Anabi. Imperial Spice Sugarland. That's 11947 highway 6. 281 957 Or 281 Masala Radio would like to congratulate Jawahar, Pramod, Sanchali and the entire Indo-American News Radio team for expanding the radio station. Indo-American Radio News will now be on air every Saturday, 3 to 6 p.m. 3 to 4, Indo-American News Unplugged, 4 to 6, Indo-American Radio. They are the king of South Asian news radio shows in the USA. Tune into Masala Radio 98.7 FM every Saturday, 3 to 6 p.m.
2: All right. This is Juara, and we are back with the New American News Radio. We are talking about. We're going to talk about very briefly about the the threat to the newspaper business. Um, in 2017, President Trump uh, went ahead and and tried to impose tariffs, 25 percent tariffs on Canadian newsprint. Uh, so Canada is the largest supplier of newsprint to the U.S. Uh, he uh, managed to to stop the the actual um, uh, the production or or the importing of newsprint for a while because of the threat that he had he had made. Uh, but it it was overturned by some courts uh, who took the whole thing to court. And about six to months to a year later, the the tariff was uh, declared to be uh, unconstitutional lawful or whatever. And so it started, but the problem was newsprint prices went up twenty five percent at that time. And they have, once the tariff was abolished, the prices did not come down. You'd think, okay, they come down, but they did not come down because the people, the producers, went ahead and found other markets for their product. They started sending, sending it overseas. They started making corrugated cardboard out of it. They started doing other things. Some mills went under. So basically, the price went up and it stayed up. Well, guess what, Folks. Uh, there in in Trump's uh, threat behind there concealed his his deep uh, um, and abiding um, hatred for the for a free press because he, he could not uh, I, I, maybe not a free press, but certainly a press that he thought was a fake news press. And so he tried to suppress some of these in by doing a uh, one of these maneuvers. well, so uh, some papers did go under some large papers were under stress and they were under stress anyway because of the online business but then after that uh when uh now uh what happened to our end of the business uh, we're a community newspaper so our community newspaper the the uh, the uh we felt more stressed out because of not only that, but now, starting this month, the prices of newsprint have gone up another twenty-five percent. So now we're finding ways to try to cut our costs and, and so on, but we also need to raise revenues because we didn't do we are not making tons and tons of money doing what we do for the newspaper. But I want you to understand what you're getting from the the, the papers. Do you get if you get a lot of your news, a lot of your ads, etc. Cetera, etc., cetera, that's great because Whatever we print, every single copy is gone. But at the same time, we put, we print in English, so a lot of people can read us. There are some non-English language papers that are very niche market, but they produce m- a lot more copy than we do. And essentially, it is it, they 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 uh, they soak up the supply of newsprint, and and they create un- unnecessary havoc in the marketplace. So. Um, what I want you to understand is we are, as a newspaper, uh, we're very fortunate we're, uh, in this city. Dallas does not ha- even have a newspaper. Uh, lots of other cities do not have papers. Austin doesn't have one. And we're very fortunate because we're a very, very strong community here in Houston. And if you want the, that, that community to continue to, to function the way it does and you want news uh, of, of that m- is meaningful to you, then you need to understand to, that you have to support the paper. And the paper is the one that is actually producing this radio show. So now that I've been on my soapbox, uh, I, we're going to turn back to the, the situation with the oil and gas. And um, uh, just, uh, just wanted to let you know that a ton of paper, one ton of paper in 2020 was $300. Right now... It is eight to 900 dollars a ton. Can you imagine? That's 60 percent increase.. That's
1: phenomenal.
2: So um, All right, so that being said, uh, uh, Gotham, tell us, uh, before we go, uh, we've got another 10 minutes to go, a little bit more about the oil and gas business and, and Ukraine and, sure. and how's that Im- impacted.
1: So let me just use numbers and uh, uh, ratios to print, uh, uh, to paint a picture on the global scale first. Uh, let's say we are producing roughly 100 million barrels per day mm-hmm. globally. Yeah. Uh, OPEC is roughly 30 to 35 percent. 100 million uh-huh. barrels per day of oil and oil and gas equivalents. Okay. So that's the overall annual uh, daily production of the whole world, all countries, OPEC and non-OPEC put together.
2: But 100 million doesn't and sound like a
1: lot. Yeah, I, I, uh, the gas conversions and things like that take things into a different scale in terms of billions of uh, MMBTUs. Okay. Uh, so Russia has not even twelve million barrels per day. Okay. Out of its uh, eleven something million barrels of production per day, roughly six goes into Europe. Okay. I'm earlier
2: on I mentioned yeah. forty, and 40 that was wrong. Yeah.
1: So forty percent of Europe's total energy requirements are uh, met by Russian exports.
2: Okay. All right, go ahead. Correct. So
1: the same thing with gas, roughly 500 odd uh, billion cubic meters per year are consumed by all of uh, Russia, all of Europe. Uh And out of that, roughly 155 billion cubic meters per year comes solely from Russia. Oh, okay. And uh, most of that is pipeline gas. It's not entirely LNG. Okay. Uh, The LNG is going to countries like China to begin with. Uh And of course, uh, Japan, Korea, everybody has to find sources, India, of course. Right. So Qatar, Russia, Australia are the big uh, players. LNG players and yeah. uh, the US is about to catch up. Okay. So we've finished installing most of our LNG export capacity. Uh, there were technicalities which uh, prevented the exports of uh, oil and condensates. But now all that has been waived off and uh, worked through its, uh, uh, the legal system in the US. Right. So the US LNG exports are going to be very, very critical to a lot of countries.
2: Right. And so there's enough... Uh, LNG available in the US to maintain its contracts that it's developed?
1: Yes, we have the gasification capacity now. That is not an issue. Let's say the importing country has to take LNG and then re-gasify it. Right. That is the next bottleneck that people have to work through. But now, countries like India, they already
2: have a plant like this.
1: Yeah, but if you want more LNG, you have to have more storage and more regasification.
2: By the way, India, where does it have many regasification uh, uh, plants? Yes, quite a few. Now, over the last decade or two, most
1: of our oil companies, most of our power companies have realized that they have to look to non-OPEC sources as well. So, Qatari, Australian, and now increasingly the US LNG trade, Why are um, prices that are discovered in what's called the JKM, the Japan-Korea marker, is becoming a very mature market.
2: Uh So uh, So they've got plants on both seaboards?
1: correct, Correct. And the power system now has changed. So coal has reduced, gas fired has increased. So, even the trading of LNG has identified that as a growth market.
2: But if there is a tight supply because of this uh, war, if, of an ongoing war, Correct. do you think people may be tempted to go back and start burning coal?
1: Um, as emergency measures, yes. I think Europe, UK may dip into that reservoir for some time. But how much coal do they produce internally and how much will they have to export even for the export market, Russia is their number one uh, supplier for coal. So, so they so
2: would have to restart up their coal mines. To, to, uh, it
1: may not be back to the mine, but they could import from say Indonesia or some other country. Well, for years. example,
2: in West Virginia, there's, there's tons of correct. coal correct, mines, correct. but they have been closed. Yeah, the reserves may be there, but
1: they're not in the shape of a mine that is producing a finished product.
2: Right, but these were mines that have been shuttered.
1: Yes, market forces determined that uh, uh, coal-fired generation of power itself is on a downward trend. So uh, there was no way people could finance
2: those mines. Beyond the point. So even if you got the coal, though, mm-hmm. if you got the coal from the mines to the power station, mm-hmm. the power stations have to reconvert uh, their burners. Uh, uh,
1: may not be uh, uh, all the way back to let's say how things were 20 years ago, but there is always a certain amount. That you can absorb when there is a shock
2: to a system. Right, right. Yeah. But the burning capacity, the way yeah, that the burner is, yeah, the, right. the furnaces, right. The furnaces are right now taking has to be the, it has to be changed, rebuilt, right? Rebuilt to correct,
1: accommodate correct. coal. Correct. So will you spend say five billion on revamping something that you had decided to shut down, versus just saying okay, I'll just go out and buy more? from the LNG market because I know I can add more LNG because I wanted to stay in the mix for a longer
2: time. Well, I I got a burning question here, uh, no pun intended, but Mm -hmm. what is uh, the point at which the equation would tilt? Uh,
1: It's different for different countries because your landed cost of fuel is very different. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, Your volumes of offtake, if you're a very large buyer will determine your economics but if you're coming into the market as a small player and saying give me something for just six to nine months i don't know if i'll be in the market for that you'll be charged higher
2: well no what i meant was what do you think is going to be is it going to take six months of this war for this something like this to happen a a year i think
1: for all practical purposes people are already in month one
2: Uh so i
1: don't think people will wait for another five months Maybe the next 90 days will determine something that will be workable for, say, the next 24 to 36 months. And on all fronts, they would want to uh, exceed their targets just to have fail-safe options. Because this winter was relatively mild. But what about 2022
2: winter? So, in other words, the bottom line is we cannot economically... Uh, afford to have this war going on very long. Oh, nobody can. I mean,
1: uh, if there were boots on the ground, I mean, it's anybody's guess how many trillions of dollars of uh, materials and how many it would cost. But uh, so this is commodities not, are reflecting that. Uh, this is pain. not
2: like the time of World War II, because now we are a very interconnected world. Absolutely. I in every sphere. Absolutely. And one one domino, if it falls, Correct. a lot of the other dominoes will fall. Oh.
1: Sitting in Houston, my price of my next Nike shoes will go up no matter what Texas as a state does because the manufacturing is done in China. Right. How well is China's supply chain recovering from COVID? How well is their labor situation coming along? How well is their import of fuel coming along?
2: Well, and do you think this is going to affect employment in the oil and gas business here in Houston?
1: Uh, I think so positively because uh, we were forced to, say, cut down roughly 25 to 30% of the workforce. Let's say for the next two years, people agree that, yes, this is a, um, a sort of a national emergency sort of situation and our allies are depending on us for steady supplies. Yes, we should definitely incentivize any uh, operation we can. So, Houston will definitely gain, I think, so in the next 24 to 36 months.
2: Right. And and I know that some uh, oil companies like Transocean, their stock prices have started going up Correct. quite Correct. quickly. Correct. Uh, national Oil Well Correct. Uh, and uh, D-Now Correct. and so on and so Correct. forth. Correct. Correct. So they, their prices are going up quite a bit. Correct.
1: Uh, while I won't uh, take company names, all I'll say is that entire uh, uh, drilling contractors ecosystem, the oil field service ecosystem, uh, the shale focused oil companies, which bought out the large oil and gas companies leases in the last 24 months, everybody will now have a different role to play. Uh Because of the critical nature of energy exports.
2: I see, I see. So all hands on deck is uh, our mindset now. it's not a situation where people would lose their jobs because...
1: You see, everything is a boom and bust cycle in all commodities. We are not the only commodity that goes through it. But very few commodities have shocks that ripple effect uh, is felt globally. Mm -hmm. Oil is the most traded commodity, the most consumed commodity. And you're either blessed with it or you're not. So those who are blessed with it also have to generate financial returns to justify staying in business because the lenders and investors demand it. But at the same time, in times of emergency, yes, there are many uh, uh, ways for governments to talk to governments to secure demand. And once demand is secured, then the whole supply chain starts moving to fulfill it.
2: Right. I see. Well, that was... uh a very very elaborate and very interesting conversation we had, uh, Gotham. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you. Uh, and folks, this is Indo American News Radio, unplugged. Uh, we spent the last hour talking about the effect of the Ukraine crisis on oil and gas pricing, supply, and um, and potential for redrilling for drilling activity to start up again. Gotham is. Uh, Uh, He's associated with a a, a local oil and gas company. He he is uh, an expert on energy management and especially in renewables. And so we tapped him to find out how things were going in that area. We certainly hope that you enjoyed this. We also talked about newspapers and newsprint and the fact that newsprint prices have gone up again this month, 25%. And therefore, I'm asking everyone who's out there listening to us, that if I call you and I say, hey, you know, the price of a full page of ad is so much, please remember that it's not because I don't want to make a deal with you, but <laughs> it's because <laughs> it's, commo- it's a commodity. No, we're being okay. squeezed. Just okay. right, uh, Gotham.
1: Correct. Every mill, every transport operation, uh, every lost uh, skilled labor job is now showing up as uh, inefficiencies and cost increases. Correct. Uh, Correct. Post COVID, we are uh, we're still in a recovery mode, and I hope wish you the best.
2: Well, thank you so much. But we will survive because everyone in the community loves us and we love them. And we want to tell your stories. So this is why we ask for your support. Uh, This is Jawar and uh, we're going to be shortly going into our Indo-American News radio show for the next two hours. Uh, Sanchali has already walked in the door. Hi, Sinchali. Sanchali.
0: Hello, hello, hello,
2: hello, hello! There she goes. She's dressed like a million bucks today. So Uh, it's promote and promote is just walking in the door. But uh, we will be going into our Indo American News Radio program very shortly. Um, This is uh, next week. Next week we're going to have probably um, an interesting connection because, uh, uh, but we'll let you know more about it when uh, later on when we do our promotions. While when we the the lineup is all set up, uh, hope that you've enjoyed this uh, and uh, stay tuned for the next uh, two hours. Uh, you can always call us at 281-277-6874, And if you like what you hear, and if you want to be on the air, call me. I mean, I'm open. Uh, Gotham. Uh, I didn't know Gotham from Adam about three months ago, and suddenly he's here. And Gotham, we had a great uh, connection.
1: Thank you so much, and. All uh, thanks to the ICC network, I would say. And uh, uh, there are so many like-minded, community-minded people who want to uh, put their best foot forward. And uh, I cannot think of a better avenue than Indo-American News and your radio show.
2: Well, thank you so much for saying that. Uh, folks, I did not pay him for that. <laughs> <laughs> I paid in blessings. I would just put it at that <laughs> So uh, next week, like I said, next Saturday, it's um, Sinchali is going to be on the air doing the Unplugged Hour. And I, uh, her guest is still being decided, so don't, uh, uh, don't forget to tune in next Saturday at 3 o'clock. This is Indo American News Radio. Thank you, Gotham, once again.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
2: And, uh, folks, we will be back after these messages with Indo American News Radio. And you can call us at 281 277 6874. At the studio line, we will be joined by, by uh, our psychic from India calling in from Bangalore and we also have a lawyer who's going to be talking about custody battles uh, and associated with divorces Uh, so uh, I think you'll find that interesting that will be the next two hours Uh, and uh, this is once again Indo-American News unplugged, you can call us at 281-277-6874 adios guys I'll see you next week Masala Radio You're listening to Masala Radio